When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Drags. It's Wednesday, June 19th. Time for episode 303 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com. Of course, follow us as always on Twitter at Patriots CLNS. Welcoming back this week, Evan Lazar of clnsmedia.com covering the NFL and the Patriots. Follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. It's mid-June, of course, and we're right in the heart of the vacation period for pretty much everybody in the NFL, including the Patriots. This gives us, I think, a pretty good chance to kind of go over all all over the place today, and we're going to do just that with Evan. First, the end of the Nick Casario saga, I think, or we think the end. Yeah. Um, is it over now that the Texans have withdrawn their interest in the Patriots personnel director? Well, I think it's over, at least for the time being. Now, Casario's contract ends at the, in 2020 at some point at the end of the season, so I think we're going to see it all over again. I I don't I can't remember in a long time a executive that he, Nick Casario could have a legit like free agency tour. Like he could have sure. multiple teams a year from now that are interested and he could be going team from team and kind of shopping his uh his you know himself and the Patriots might find themselves in kind of a bidding war for Nick Casario's services a year from now. It's it's pretty unprecedented for a guy that's strictly like a scout GM front office guy that isn't like a Bill Belichick or a Bill Parcells or like one of these football czars. Okay, let me um, interject right there. Why isn't it? Why wouldn't this be a case of he's an asset under contract to the Patriots? They could use him as an asset and trade him. Uh, would there be anything in um, collective bargaining or uh, the NFL bylaws that would keep the Patriots for using, from using him as an asset and trading him to another organization to acquire something in return? No, I don't think so. I mean, this non-player trades have happened before. Bill Belichick was a non-player trade, sure. and the Patriots traded, you know, required him from the Jets. Uh, Bill Parcells was traded. It's happened before. I mean, it, there's precedent for it, and I don't see why it couldn't happen again. But the language in the contract and Casario's contract sounds like he has a full non-compete clause, and I wonder if that kind of works both ways. It, it, Albert Breer reported that somewhere along the line here in Casario's three-year deal, he got a raise 
raise from the team. And that, you know, to get that raise, the deal was, the arrangement was at the time that he would not leave the Patriots until the contract was over. So maybe there's a two-way street there. I'm not really sure, but it definitely opens up kind of a weird situation now where for the next year, Casario is going to be in the building and could potentially, I mean, we don't even know if he wants to leave, right? This is all pure speculation if he wants to leave or not but if he does want to leave then he could have one foot out the door for the next year but I'm still not fully convinced that he wants to leave I think that he's just looking at to use these types of things as leverage is there a possibility that once Bill Belichick does retire he gets the GM job yeah I think so and right now he other than the fact that he doesn't necessarily have final say in all personnel decisions, and he doesn't have control of the 90 or the 53-man roster, he is the GM. I mean, he has all of the other responsibilities of the GM. He's, you know, directing college and pro scouting. You know, he's scouting pro personnel for free agency and trades, and he's looking at the draft prospects, and he certainly has his fingers on a kind of the advanced scouting of the draft process a lot more than Bill Belichick does because Bill Belichick's busy coaching the team during the season where Casario is, you know, maybe scouting a little bit more on the college circuit. So I think that there is a lot of evidence that suggests that Casario is what the NFL would call a high-end executive. And that's kind of where all of this started with the tampering charges is do does Nick Casario qualify as a high-level executive for the Patriots or does he not? If he qualifies as a high-level executive, then nobody, the Patriots have the right to block any interviews as long as he's under contract with the team. If he doesn't, then he's free to go and free to interview anywhere. Why do you think he's so important to Bill Belichick still to this day? Well, I think that he does a lot of the things that Bill Belichick during the season especially just doesn't have time to do. He's the guy that is watching all of these other teams, not to game plan necessarily for that week's opponent, but to actually scout the players on the other teams for free agency purposes and trade purposes. He's looking at the draft, you know, year in advance. He said uh, when we talked to him at the draft in April that the Patriots were – already on to the 2020 draft after the 2019 draft because the scouting department, the college scouting department led by Casera and Monty Eisenford were a year-round thing. They're 365 days. So as soon as one draft ends, the next draft begins for those guys. So that's, I think, something that Belichick might not have his hands in until after the season is over, you know, after the Patriots either win the Super Bowl or eliminate or whatever in February, January, and then he gets kind of into this college scouting, whereas Casario probably has a jump start on that. Speaking with Evan Lazar, uh, covering the NFL and the Patriots for clnsmedia.com. Follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. You've tweeted twice this week, Evan, including some terrific film clips about Michael Bennett, why are you so yeah. high on the 33-year-old veteran coming to the Patriots? Well, I think that Michael Bennett has actually become a little bit underrated here in the last, you know, couple of years since he moved on from Seattle especially and just, you know, as that Seattle 
if you want to call it a one-year dynasty, two-year dynasty kind of fell apart there with Richard Sherman and Bennett and all these guys leaving. He kind of moved on, and I think a lot of people thought that that era was over, but Bennett's been a really productive player. He was a very good player for the Eagles last year. And I watch, you know, the way that Bennett moves, the way that Bennett plays the game, and it just reminds me so much of Trey Flowers that I just think that really it's a one-for-one substitution as long as Bennett holds his uh, end of the bargain up. And all the ways that the Patriots use Trey Flowers, moving him around the formation, using him on stunts, uh, allowing him to get one-on-one matchups on the interior offensive linemen, all that kind of stuff I just see Bennett being able to replicate pretty easily, especially in the pass rush. So I think that the Patriots kind of got a player that, you know, let's say Trey Flowers is maybe, you know, towards the bottom of the top 10 in his position, maybe top 15 in his position. I think Michael Bennett is right in that conversation for top 15, top 20 edge defenders in the league still. So I I just don't think it's that much of a drop-off. It's just an age drop-off. Obviously, one is entering their prime and and one is, you know, maybe at the back end or past their prime. But the point is, is that the usage of Michael Bennett is going to be very similar, I would think, to how they use Trey Flowers. Some props here to Brandon Thorne, at Brandon Thorne NFL on Twitter. Uh, I know you retweeted two of his clips uh, when uh, referring... Yeah, from when referring to Michael Bennett, and what I find kind of kind of interesting is um, in a like a three tackle alignment uh, that the Rams used against him, um, he was pretty good. Michael Bennett was pretty good on stunts, and I mean, I guess Trey Flowers did his fair share amount of uh, fair share of stunting and getting to the quarterback with the Patriots. Do you think that uh, that is going to be something you see that much more with Bennett? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Patriots are one of the more, uh, in terms of frequency, they ran as many stunts as just about any team in the league last year. And it's twists, it's picks, it's all that kind of stuff that you see on the interior, especially of the defensive line. They also get their linebackers involved. Dante Hightower, Kyle Vannoy will get into the mix on those things. I'm actually writing something about their simulated pressures, which is essentially just, you know, disguising pressure up front and then bringing it from different areas of the defense. And that was something that they did really well last year. And it's kind of something that's starting to take over the league a little bit. And I I think that with Bennett, you know, he is the type of player that can definitely rush on the interior. He can take part in those stunts. He's a very good player, both as the rap player and the penetrator. So he can pick for somebody else or he can be the guy coming around to get the pressure. Not to take away anything from Trey Flowers, who had a, a great year last year for the Patriots, but he actually led the NFL among players in unblocked pressures last year. So those are just free runs at the quarterback. There's nobody in his way. And a lot of that had to do with the way that the Patriots were designed things up front with their simulated pressures with their stunt games and all that kind of thing so Bennett is going to step into that role and I think that there's going to be a lot of the same opportunity there now it still takes some skill to be able to pull those things off but at the end of the day you're getting free runs to the quarterback and you're piling up pressures and I think that Bennett's going to you know really benefit from that here in New England all right there's another clip uh that you also uh retweeted of your own uh, tweet uh, back on uh, June 17th, a couple of days ago. And it's a clip from the NFL quarterback challenge at the 2002 yes. Pro Bowl. I love this one because not only does Tom Brady talk about that touchdown pass to David Patton in Super Bowl 36, I know Bill Belichick in, I want to say it was either a football life in 
2009 or one of those um, do-your-job document. I think it was a football life, actually, where he goes back to that same spot. It, it actually was 2009. It was a football life, and it was um, about the 2009 Patriots, and they go back to New Orleans, and they got hammered in that uh, Monday night game at the Superdome. Yeah. But before the game, Belichick goes back to that same corner of the end zone where Patton catches it and recreates the play. And in the clip that you have tweeted this week of Brady talking to John Elway at that 2002 Pro Bowl, they go over that play. Yeah, it's a really cool play. And I think the coolest part for me, this is a young Brady. This was right after the Super Bowl, the 2002 Pro Bowl. So he had just won the Super Bowl and just won Super Bowl MVP at this event. And I think the cool thing about it was is how detailed he was with understanding the actual play call itself. Now, it's one thing to understand where your receivers are going and and where the ball should go on a particular progression, but he was pointing out the fact like the the thing motion and 50 being the pass protection call right. for the, the the Patriots are typically I believe all of their pass protection calls start with a five. So f- 50 is one, 51, 52, 53, and so on and so forth are explaining to the offensive lineman up front what exactly the pass protection is, who has what, who's the mic, all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's really you know, cool to see Tom Brady kind of showing you a little bit, even all the way back then, that he doesn't just have a grasp of what his job is on a particular player, the receiver's jobs, but he also has a full-on grasp of what the offensive line is going to do and what all of the little kind of details of the play call mean for all of the receivers. So I thought that that was really cool. Uh, Very cool. And him just sitting and chilling um, with – uh, John Elway was also pretty awesome. Um, the other thing about that that's that's interesting, and when people have and they've said this before, it's very difficult for a lot of players uh, to come to New England and pick up the playbook. And when you break down just that one play and all of the uh, branches that can come off of it, you un- you begin to get a grasp of why it is so complex. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I think really stands out about that particular play is that if you remember the one word at the beginning of the entire kind of play call explains to two receivers what route they're running, right? That little out and up that David Patton ran. That one word explains the entire route concept essentially to the, to all the receivers on the field. The, two receivers, three receivers, the tight end, the running back, whatever the personnel is. So that's the Patriots' offense. That's the complexity of it is that Tom Brady is not sitting there and listing off, okay, the X, you're running this route, Z, you're running this route, F, you're running that route, tight end, you're running that route. He's saying one or two words, and that kind of explains the entire concept to everybody, and then he's giving the pass protection to the O-line. So it's it, that's what it is. It's a, it's a, you know, the recognition of that one or two words is can be difficult because some teams and some play calls when they get into the huddle they'll say okay you know x receiver you're running a nine route uh you're running a seven you're running you know whatever the case may be and the patriots don't do that they have names and words associated with route concepts and even sometimes full-on play designs that include pass protection if you're in a no huddle situation so it can be pretty complex and a lot of 
Jets players and receivers specifically are used to number systems. You know, like I said, a nine route, which is just a go ball, or a seven, which is a corner or a post. This Patriots system is is words. It's it's vocabulary words. It's not numbers. So that's something that a lot of veteran receivers. I know Chad Johnson when he came to the Patriots at the yep. end of his career, he said that that learning the number, learning the word association instead of the numbers that he was used to in Cincinnati was just a completely new world. Well, and that's why it's fun to me and important uh, in this week during the off season to kind of like take time and explain one of those, oh, I don't know, stereotypes of the Patriots uh, for new players. And we hear this all the time, especially offensive players that come to New England, is how difficult it can be and why, and Belichick has even acknowledged this, sometimes it takes a year for a player to digest everything and then come back with a full year under their belt. And this is why, right? Yeah, certainly. And I think the biggest thing is, is that the Patriots, you know, like I said, they have words that then associate to concepts. So you get a playbook and the Patriots might call something, you know, I, I know a lot of fans hear audibles and check the line that they call Linda after Linda Holiday, right? And that one word could signify five different things for everybody on the field. It could tell the pass protection. It could tell all the receivers. It could tell the tight end. It could tell the back. You know, this is what we're now doing. We're changing the play at the line here. And you have to be able to adjust to it on the fly. And a lot of young receivers or receivers that have come over to in free agency that I've spoken to about it say the biggest thing is, is or the toughest thing is, is that you're often thinking before you're playing in the Patriots system when you're new to it. And for a lot of receivers, it slows them down. And, and then you're not running at full speed because you're thinking too much in the play. And then after the ball is snapped, then you have option routes and all the different things that, you know, the two-way goes and all that type of stuff that can get into it. So I think that that's pretty complex. And, and really, the the thing that stands out to me is the certain guys that have been able to excel right away and obviously I know Randy Moss is Randy Moss he's a Hall of Famer one of the best receivers of all time but I think that what was so underrated about Moss in 2007 is how quickly he picked up the Patriots playbook he was already a master of it as soon as he got here obviously because it, it, it showed on the field and they ran a ton of different types of option routes and two-way goes with him and reading leverages and reading safety positions and stuff like that with Brady and that was what made them so dynamic so a guy like Nikhil Harry I mean that's that's where we're at with him right you know that's going to be the question and Philip exactly. Dor- yeah Philip Dorsett said to me last year that it took all of last season and then a full off season and then him coming back for 2018 when he got back here for training camp in July, that is when he felt fully comfortable in the Patriots offense. Remember Dorsett was traded to the Patriots right before the regular season started in 2017. So it's an uphill battle, but I think it's one that everybody is kind of aware of and is very much so openly, you know, admits to, like you said, with Belichick even saying that it's difficult. So I think Nikhil Harry has a pretty good support system around him trying to get him caught up. Speaking with Evan Lazar of CLNS Media, my outstanding colleague uh, covering the Patriots down at uh, Gillette Stadium. Uh, Follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. Tom Brady, you wrote, Evan, uh, you tweeted, might not be the most athletic quarterback in the NFL, but his pocket movement is seriously underrated. I found it interesting that Dante Stallworth, who obviously played with Tom Brady, 
replied to you, yep, you can't do half of what he's done in his career without magnificent pocket presence. He His is so underrated. It's hard to believe that anything about Brady is underrated. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that a lot of people look at his mobility and, you know, quite frankly, how slow he is afoot at times and associate that his lack of ability to scramble with his lack of athleticism or his lack of ability to move in the pocket. And the thing that I think that Brady does better than just about anybody else in the league right now is these subtle and little shifts of movement from left to right. It's climbs in the pocket. It's eluding a rusher. It's also being aware and anticipating where the rush is coming from and then moving before it even gets to the point of where he's under pressure. And then he's able to kind of pick apart the defense from there. And he actually extends a lot of plays by making those subtle movements and also opens a lot of passing windows that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him stepping up in the pocket and letting the rush go by him or moving a little bit off his spot to the left or right. And he's so quick to get his eyes back up field and reset and fire the ball that it's all just kind of natural and you can see it that it's all just kind of one motion when you watch some of those clips that I posted on Twitter and I think it's you know a lot of quarterbacks that are mobile like obviously Tom Brady is not a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson or one of those players but that doesn't mean that he's not nifty in the pocket with his footwork I, I think that when he's at when he's right and when he's at his best he is one of the best maybe in NFL history at maneuvering inside the pocket and extending plays within the pocket because he knows that he's not going to be one of those guys that's going to run around for three or four seconds like a Russell Wilson. To me, the analogy is a lot of receivers have to run to open or anticipate open spaces in their routes. Um, and there's a fine line between running to that open space and sticking to the route. So Brady is on the same page with you. There's an analogy there between that and Brady anticipating where there's going to be open space in the pocket. And just as you were going on there about explaining uh, Brady's pocket presence, I was watching him on this uh, tweeted video that you put out. He anticipates sliding to open areas unbelievably well. Yeah, it's it's uncanny. I mean, he's able to know kind of based off the protection and based off the rush where exactly those little pockets of air are that he can survive, that he can stay, you know, from a sack or from a pressure forcing him to get the ball out so that he can give his receivers more time to get downfield. And the play just never seems to be kind of dead in the water right away that often with Brady because of that, because he's able to move around a little bit. And the other thing that he does so well that a lot of tackles that have played with Brady give him a ton of credit for is that if you're an edge rusher and you're just getting a field and you're just trying to turn the corner, you know, three or four yards past the quarterback, Brady will just step right up in the pocket and let you go by and wave at you as you, as you go by. You know, he's not going to really worry about the fact that the guys are going to come from behind him. He's just going to step right up, shuffle his feet, get right up in the pocket, right into that interior where, you know, the center of the Patriots offensive line, the three interior guys are so important because of this. And they really have a great ability because of that with the tackles to essentially just push guys by Brady all the time. You know, he, he'll be, he'll stand there and let guys fly right by him. And that's such an easy way to set as a tackle. And, and really avoid some of the great speed rushers that we see in the league. I know talking to Trent Brown, he said that, you know, 
he knows exactly where Brady's going to be, and he knows that Brady will step up in the pocket and be in the right place. So as a big guy, all Trent Brown had to do was set back and just let make guys run through him or run around him because he knew that if they were trying to run around him, they wouldn't have enough time because the ball would already be out. We were going to talk about on this podcast uh, how much you love uh, breaking down film. We're going to yes. save that, okay? okay. Uh, we'll do that in a couple of weeks when we have you back because that is a subject that, to me, deserves its own podcast because you do such an amazing job just breaking down film. And Thanks. I want to – yeah, you're very welcome, Evan. I mean, sometimes I'm insincere, but not in this particular <laughs> case. Before I let you go, um, how are the Celtics going to survive um, as we approach free agency? Well, I think the funny thing is, is that, and I'm not an apologist for Danny Ainge. I'm not saying that he, you know, is is free of blame in all the situations that have happened. But I'm kind of looking forward to the team being a little bit more enjoyable next year as just a fan. So maybe they don't have the ceiling that they had last year, and maybe they're not championship contenders. But I think they're going to be a whole, whole lot more fun to watch. It's not going to be this, you know, depressing kind of underachieving team. And that's kind of where Brad Stevens has also shined in the past when they are kind of the underdogs and they are the, you know, a team that doesn't have the second best title odds to win the NBA championship like they did last year going into the season. Let me tell you what it's going to be, why I'm going to enjoy next year. I don't think you're going to have the drama. I hate drama. I know a lot of fans love it. I do not. Yeah, and everybody's just going to play and hopefully without kind of worrying about the hierarchy of the team and stuff like that, maybe the chemistry is a little bit better. But I also am not sleeping on Danny Ainge. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a big move or two up his sleeve still for us. Uh, The draft is what in in a couple of nights here. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I just think that Danny Ainge is always lurking you know he's always shopping and it sounds to me like especially if Al Horford walks they're going to try to make another big move uh Bradley Beal or Mike Conley yeah one one of those guys I'm a big D'Angelo Russell fan yeah here if they can afford it I'm all for it but I think that this team needs to go back to being a team that is hungry and a team that is a little bit more scrappy and an underdog than they were last year because the pressure and the expectations last year clearly got to a lot of those guys. Anything else you want to add, Evan, before I let uh, you go? No. I, uh, I don't know when people will be listening to this, but it will probably be out already. I'm working on something about the Patriots' defense and simulated pressures, which is kind of a hot button topic around the both college game and the pro game. Is a new kind of innovation on blitzing, and uh, the Patriots did. Uh, they're kind of at the, you know, as you would expect, uh, one of the leaders in the pack in that innovation in the NFL game. So look out for that. It's going to be cool. Definitely will do that. You can find it on CLNS Media. For producer Mike Alonji and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. 
Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcasts or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.